Hey, you guys, we got to tell you about Brez Coffee Company. Made by gamers for gamers right here on the Gulf Coast in Pensacola, Florida. No matter what your taste in coffee are, they got you covered. You like light or medium roast? Try the Necro Medium, Holy Grail Light, or Stamina Boost. I like the iCast Fireball mixed flavor, which is a fireball whiskey flavor. If you like dark roast like I do, then try the Critical Dark or the Coo Slayer Mocha Roast. Can't decide what you need for those all-night gaming sessions? Why don't you try one of their specialty sample packs? All roasts are made with fair trade Colombian beans. So stop buying that crappy coffee from the grocery store and head over to BrezCoffeeCo.com. That's B-R-E-Z-C-O-F-F-E-E-C-O.com and enter the code NCR at checkout for 10% off your order. Amazing! Do you like the show and you want to help support us? Do you want extra episodes every month? Do you want ad-free versions of the show? Then you should sign up over at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro, and you'll get your very own RSS feed to put into whatever your podcatcher of choice is, and you'll be first in line for all extra content. So head on over and become a Patreon supporter of this very show. programs and we're back for another episode of the nerd cave retro show my name is jason robbins and my name is not wally phelps <laughs> jacob craig or a fill-in guest it's Derek diamond two weeks in a row what did we do to deserve the the gracings uh, of Derek diamond two weeks in a row during baseball season some some type of really bad karma i don't know <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's good to to be back once again. Uh, as we mentioned last week, you know, I'll be um, I will be out next week due to the final homestand of the season. Mm-hmm. But once that's over, I should be back on um, full on, you know, until next baseball season. But which we'll worry about that. Yeah, down the road. <laughs> but uh, let's talk Other about this that, weekend. Uh, you had your birthday party, uh, surprise birthday party this weekend. Yes, yeah, so I, I had a uh, a coup against me, and by that I mean with <laughs> my fiance, my mom, and a lot of my closest friends. So I had been under the impression that we were going over to a friend's house for a '90s themed party. Mm. I didn't really ask questions. I was like, "Okay, '90s party, sure, I'll go." And I was summoned by my mother to meet her at the mall down the road from our house. And I thought that was a little strange, but I was like, okay. So did that and came back and all these people were at my house and they jumped out and yelled surprise. (laughs) And they threw me a a belated surprise birthday party. So it was, it was really cool. It was, uh, that was the first time that anyone had ever thrown a surprise party for me. So it, it was, it was really special. And if you want to see the most awesome cake ever, go check out uh, Derek's Facebook page. That cake is epic, or was epic. So it, it's basically, it was a two-layer cake, but around the the cake itself were little imprints of movies and shows 
basically of my interest there was like a giant Rocco's Modern Life logo a Nintendo controller a Cheers logo a Nickelodeon logo and pretty much anything that I liked was on that cake and as soon as I saw that cake I was like how much did she spend on that cake holy cow I'm not sure to be perfectly honest I, I know those cakes are not cheap but given the fact that there's so much detail that goes into it and the cake itself was delicious. I was telling you the other day, mm. it's like the, the cake that, you know, it melts in your mouth a little bit whenever you just like stick it in your mouth. It just like dissolves mm. a little bit. Yeah. Totally <laughs> worth it. I totally had 100% planned to be there for the party. Uh, your fiance had sent me the invite like a month ago and totally was going to go. We were going to uh, go over there for the day on Saturday, go to McGuire's during the day, then go to your house for the party, stay the night, and then come back on Sunday. And, of course, like three days before the party, uh, Hurricane Ida <laughs> formed in the Gulf and was heading straight for us. So the day of the party, we didn't know exactly like how bad it was going to be. And uh, that morning, I was I was kind of flip flopping. I was like, "Should we leave town? Should we stay? Like, what are we gonna do?" And I decided, you know, we that morning we had to go over to the next town over, uh, which is east of us, like towards Pensacola. And we got it. The traffic was ridiculous. Like it was so backed up from the people from New Orleans trying to get to Florida, evacuating. And I was like, "There's no way it, it, it'll be. It'll take us 12 hours to get there." Because I had put your address into the uh, the GPS, and it was just like, if you look at Google Maps, and it shows you where like the traffic backed up is, and it was just like one long red line, like all the way through through Alabama into uh, Florida. I was just like, yeah, we're not going to make it. There's no way. Even if we left at like 7.30 in the morning, there's no way we would have even made it there for your party. That's insane. That's absolutely insane. I I will say this, you know, my, my heart goes out to everyone in New Orleans who, yeah. because there's some people that, you know, they lost their home, lost everything. Yeah, and there's no only, telling when the town will get power back either. Yeah, I know, because uh, the whole grid like fell into the water. And not only that, but Homa got wiped off the map, which if uh, if you're listening to this, you don't know where Homa is. Homa is another city that's about 30 minutes south of uh, New Orleans, um, one of the other bigger cities down there. And it's it's gone like m my band falls from grace we used to play there all the time they had a couple of big clubs there in homa we used to play at all the time and that that whole town is just gone like there's i've wow. seen so many pictures like my girlfriend's family's from there and the pictures are it, it looked like it, it was it looked like after katrina like it's just leveled so heart That's goes awful. out to all those people like i it just i feel awful yeah, it's we were talking about this the other day too. It's insane how last year Hurricane Sally hit here mm -hmm. 16 years to the day of Hurricane Ivan hitting. And then Ida hits the New Orleans area 16 years to the day after Hurricane Katrina. Mm -hmm. It was almost the yeah. same path too cuz what happened with Katrina is she went up 
and hit New Orleans, like that southern tip of Louisiana, but then bounced up and hit the Mississippi coast dead on. And what people don't understand, they, they think New Orleans got hit. Like New Orleans, they think the damage in New Orleans was from Katrina. The damage in New Orleans was from the levees breaking. The Mississippi Gulf Coast is what took the brunt of Katrina. And what happened was is when she hit land, she just sat there for like 12 mm-hmm. hours just pushing water up. That's why there was like a 25-foot storm surge. And that's kind of what Ida did when it hit uh, the southern tip of Louisiana. She just sat there and spun for like 12 hours. It's like, just dissipate already. Like, go away. I hate living down here sometimes. Yeah, it was it was insane watching it on the radar. Just the fact that, you know, because I, I was keeping track of it, especially on Sunday. And then just seeing where it was sunday night compared to monday and it hadn't really moved all that Mm -hmm. much because we got a lot of rain from it too you know it it rained it rained really hard sunday morning then stopped for a bit then rained pretty hard again uh sunday evening then monday it rained practically all day and I, i i should send you the video that i took from work like you could the rain was so hard you could barely see past the outfield yeah, <laughs> and we have three flags that are hanging up, and I swear all three of them looked like they were just going to fly off the pole. It's those outer bands, man. Those outer bands are just as bad as the inside of the storm. It's crazy. The mother and, nature hates the Gulf Coast at the end of August. She hates us. <laughs> and the thing is, like the hurricane season had already been pretty active leading up to this. And th- but this is usually the worst time of year when it comes yeah. to hurricanes. Is late August into September. Only two more months of uh, hurricane season to go. <laughs> yeah, watch us get one in December. Yeah, no. Kidding. Mother Nature will hear this and be like, "Okay, <laughs> that would suck." <laughs> yeah, that would be awful. Uh, but uh, you ready to go into the news for this evening? Let's do it. We got some good stuff to talk about. Yeah, we do. From GameSpot.com, the Metroid Dread trailer features the return of a classic villain. New trailer for Metroid Dread has gone live, which features Samus apparently at odds with the Chozo. The race of warrior-like alien bird people has long been referenced in the Metroid series, although the actual details on the disappearance of the entire race have only been vaguely hinted at over the years. New trailer shows Samus under attack from a mysterious Chozo warrior, with Nintendo, with Nintendo describing the species as a highly intelligent and technologically advanced race that once sought to bring peace throughout the galaxy. Um, so what did you think when you saw the Metroid trailer the other day? As soon as it dropped, I watched it and I tagged you. I was like, oh, you got to watch this right now. It looked amazing. Uh, I think a Metroid, it's been overdue for a new Metroid game anyway. Mm-hmm. But I think watching the gameplay and seeing what they're going to do story-wise, because correct me if I'm wrong, didn't the Chozo also build Samus's suit? Uh, I'm not sure, did they? I want to say they did. but Because isn't that if, the reason the, the suit came to life? And um, which one was that where uh, Samus actually had to fight her suit? Which Metroid was that? Do you remember? That was Metroid Fusion. Yeah. There's also the Met- the Metroid Prime series. She also fought a dark version 
of herself. Okay. But uh, no, Metroid Fusion, sh- she fought a virus that took her form. Oh, that's which right. Is, yeah. Which is cool because this takes place after Fusion, which is why she has the partial blue armor because it's the same one yeah. from Fusion, but it's just slowly starting to transform into her old power suit form which i think is a, a cool little easter egg but i i thought the trailer looked fantastic oh man um this is gonna be a, a day one purchase for me oh me too that just the gameplay alone they didn't even need to show me the cinematics i they just needed to show me the gameplay because the gameplay itself is insane looking uh yeah. especially if you're a fan of that side scrolling metroid type of game because it's it's got new kind of like uh, like 3D, almost realistic graphics, but very stylized. Um, mm-hmm. It's all it's a side scroller. Man, it's gonna be amazing. It's gonna be yeah. absolutely amazing. I have total faith that Nintendo is gonna drop what's gonna be probably one of the best Metroid games ever. I think so too. Yeah, October eighth can't get here soon <sighs> enough. Too far away. It's a whole month from now. It'll. It'll be here before you know it. I mean, we're already in September. Yeah, but still, which is, a whole month. Which is insane. I want it now. <laughs> I want it all. And I want it now. Our next story was sent to us from Mr. Armes Jackson and comes to us from NintendoLife.com. The Game Boy Advance is getting its first commercial release in 13 years. Damn. Uh, Richard Nickel is bringing Good Boy Galaxy to the console as well as other platforms such as Steam and Switch. This platform adventure game stars Maxwell, a space-age pup who explores unfamiliar worlds, makes strange new friends, and contends with mysterious forces. Good Boy Galaxy will feature jam-packed levels with multiple routes, 50 different characters to befriend, secret areas and hideaways to be discovered, as well as a wide array of beasties to blast. Uh, there's a demo available now if you want to give it a spin. Nickel has already gotten the game in front of some pretty influential developers, including Supercell creative director Paul Chambers, who has this to say. Super crazy what you have done. Seriously, well done. It's a proper love note to classics, and I feel it. Uh, there was uh, The Kickstarter funding target is 18,000 pounds, I assume is what that is. Mm-hmm of which over 3,000 has been pledged at the time of writing. Funding options include a digital version for the GBA, which you can play via emulation or on a flashcard or on a downloadable version for Switch slash Steam, which is also 18 pounds. There's also a boxed GBA cart, which comes complete with manual and stickers, all supplied by First Press Games and will cost you 44 pounds. I love so, that this is a thing now where people are still making games for older systems. I kind of want to get it. <laughs> it looks like it would be fun. Yeah, it like looks it, this fun. would this would be fun. Like I, I would, I would probably get it for the Switch. Even though getting like the physical, um, or getting the the GBA cart would be pretty cool. But uh, it it looks fun. Like it looks like a game that I would have played for the Game Boy Advance, so be yeah. fun to play it and give it a nice review. Yeah, this is really cool. I, I hope they keep doing stuff like this. All these indie developers making actual physical games for older systems. Get yeah. back to the NES and the SNES. I'd love to play a brand new Super Nintendo game. 
Oh my god. Wouldn't that be great? Now you're talking my language. <laughs> uh, let's see. I want to keep blocking ads, Euro Gamer. Uh, this uh, this one comes from I am the Rampage from Eurogamer.net. Xbox Series X and S and Xbox One get cloud gaming this Christmas. Um, Microsoft has announced uh, during its Gamescom 2021 Xbox stream, Microsoft said Xbox Game Pass Ultimate members will get access to over 100 games from the cloud on the consoles. This has the added benefit of letting you play games before you install them. Microsoft uses the example of Sea of Thieves and the ability to jump into a multiplayer game with friends as soon as you get an invite and without having to wait for an install. Cloud gaming also means Gen 9 only Xbox games, what Microsoft calls current gen games, such as Microsoft Flight Simulator and the Medium are playable on the last gen Xbox One via the cloud. Uh, it supports up to 1080p and 60 frames a second. Um, the, that's the same performance Xbox Cloud Gaming currently offers across PCs, phones, and tablets. I like this new world we're moving into of cloud gaming. I just uh, I think Microsoft is really the one kind of leading to the way to where we could do cloud gaming like this and not have the lag that has been experienced in the past with cloud gaming. Yeah, I think if anyone's going to lead that charge, it should be Microsoft. I feel like yeah. they would be best equipped to handle it. Because I don't know if you've played anything on PS Now, but uh, you can mm -hmm. stream a lot of games on there, and it's kind of bad. Like the lag and the if if you your if your connection is not good enough, you will just straight up get dropped out of the game. And oh, geez. it's it's not great. I I have good internet, so it's not the internet. I think it's just the PlayStation Now network just really isn't up to snuff. Well, hopefully Microsoft will be able to perfect it and then Sony and maybe eventually Nintendo will want to do that. That's what I was thinking. I was like, because Microsoft and Nintendo are buddy-buddy these days, come on, man. Just give me the yep. entire NES, Super Nintendo, Game Boy library, everything. Just let put it all in an online library accessible f through the switch or you know whatever nintendo like whatever even the microsoft even the xbox whatever you want to do to to access that library of nintendo games just give it to me i need it i mean it would be the simple thing to do so they probably won't yeah they won't do that <laughs> yeah 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 but that's actually a good segue to our next story which is also comes to us from Armes Jackson from NintendoEverything.com. Rumor, Nintendo Switch online to add Game Boy and Game Boy Color games soon. Hmm. Rumor has it that Nintendo Switch online will be adding Game Boy and Game Boy Color titles, but Game Boy Advance will be left out. The speculation ties in with a 2019 data mine in which four emulators were uncovered within the official NES Switch app. One of these, which goes by the name Hyoko, is thought to be for Game Boy and Game Boy Color. Today, YouTuber Nate Drake, who seems to have a bit of a track record with Nintendo rumors, <laughs> published a new Nate the Hate podcast in which he, along with host MVG, discussed the possibility of Nintendo Switch Online expanding 
Uh, separately, Nintendo Life claims to have heard from its own sources that this will be happening really soon. At the moment, there is no reason to believe that Game Boy Advance will be included in Nintendo Switch Online. Why not? I is kind of my thing. The n- Ninten- Nintendo was one of those companies where I feel like, you know, they're going to like, let's be honest, the past probably year of Super Nintendo and Nintendo re- Online releases have been tepid at best. <laughs> and I think all of a sudden Nintendo's going to be like, here's 50 Game Boy and Game Boy Advance games. Have fun. And we'll be like, oh, Nintendo, we love you for another five years because we'll probably get nothing after that. I just don't... I feel like a broken record when I say this, but I don't understand why they continue to hold all of these games back. And they release things like Jelly Boy and Prehistoric Man. (laughs) Yeah, I tried to play some of those not too long ago, and not my thing. I had thought about for last week whenever you know i was making my return to the show i thought about reviewing <laughs> jelly boy because i had been playing it and i was just gonna go off on it yeah <laughs> but i wanted to play something good for yeah. my comeback so i did not which uh we got something good we're gonna review when you come back after next week we've been oh yes playing. yes we think you people are gonna enjoy it too so i can't wait we're gonna do a dual review when Derek comes Derek comes back in two weeks yeah, we don't have have too many dual reviews, but they're always a lot of fun when we do it. So, yeah. well, this th- is, this will be one that's worth it. Yeah, this is something I uh, I told Derek about after I purchased it last week. I was like, dude, you've got to play this game, and I think you people are going to enjoy it too when we when we do our review of it. How close are you to finishing it? Um, well, <laughs> the other day I was actually streaming, and uh, I have the second temple. The water temple, which is mm-hmm. humongous. Uh, I did something stupid where I was trying to get through that damn temple and it was taking me forever. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to come back to it later. And I quit the game without thinking about saving it. I didn't go back to a save point, so I lost all that progress. <laughs> so I have to go back through that whole water temple again. Oof. Yeah, that's 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 rough. It hurts. It hurt my heart. Yeah. It hurt me. I'm right at here. the the fire temple right now, and it is kicking the crap out of me. Yeah, I imagine I've, I've died. <laughs> I've died six times in that temple. So you better make sure you have uh, lots of potions and the uh, the little yeah. sprig, the little life sprig. That the herb. Bring you back. Yeah, the herb. Yeah. yeah, it's just like I'm. I'm like I, it's a, it's a far walk. So it's uh, it's a fun game, but it's definitely uh, not forgiving on some things. No, no, it is not. Um, for our last story, this also comes from RMS Jackson uh, from NintendoEverything.com. Atari is putting Centipede Recharged on the Switch. Publisher Atari, along with the developers Adam Vision Studios and Sneaky Box Studios have announced that they'll be releasing the Neon Field reimagining of the arcade classic on Switch, due out digitally on September 29th. 
Um, let's see. The overview of the game is initiate insect extermination in this widescreen glow-up of one of the greatest arcade games of all time, which I will say is... I've got the little mini arcade here of Centipede that I keep right next to me all the time. Um, the rules are the same as the 1981 um, game. Shoot the centipedes as they descend the playing field and contend around the shot blocking and path altering mushrooms they leave behind. New to centipede recharged are power ups dropped by the spiders such as explosive bullets, spread shots, and a devastating railgun. Uh, you can do uh, high scores in arcade mode, either solo or with new simultaneous couch co-op feature. Tackle more than two dozen challenges that test bug shooting prowess and introduce clever uses for the new power-ups with additional challenges exclusive to the Atari VCS, which we haven't heard much about that uh, too much lately. Mm-mm. Let's see, there's global leaderboards and earn more than 15 achievements. I might have to give this a, a whirl when it comes out. It's going to be $9.99 on the Switch eShop. And uh, does it say when it's going to drop? It uh, does not say. Oh, yeah, September 29th. So that's uh, like three weeks from now, two weeks or four weeks from now. Um, I think this is going to be pretty cool because I love Centipede. Centipede was always one of my favorite Atari games. When I was a kid. One of the five best games you can get for the Atari. Twenty six hundred. It can tie you over until Metroid Dread comes out. Yeah, yeah. I'll play it for a week or two, and then Metroid comes out, which is going to be Chef's Kiss. I'm preemptively saying it now. Metroid is going to be epic. I think it will be, too. And the, this this Centipede Recharged is, is pretty cool. You know, it, it, I've... It, it always piques my interest whenever I see like the, the classic Atari and arcade games get like a little makeover, like yeah. add little features to it, and it's re-released. So, surprised they've cool. never done a Cubert uh, re-release like with new stuff. He's too foul-mouthed for today's generation. Yeah, I guess so. Because I've got another little little machine over here that Mario is on right now. My little glowy Mario. He's on top of a little Cubert arcade cabinet back there. Nice. Yeah, that is surprising, though. But uh, coming up next, we have This Month in Video Game History. <laughs> On September 26th of 1986, Konami re releases Akumajo Dracula for the Famicom Disk System, the first game in the Castlevania series. One of my favorite series of all time. On September 26th, this game will turn 35 years old. Ugh, don't remind it's, me. <laughs> so I, I, there's a reoccurring theme for this week's gaming history is that I, I tried to stick strictly to, like, anniversary years. Like, on September 26th, this will turn 35, and there will be other ones that we'll talk about here in a bit. But, yeah, I mean, Castlevania, when you think of its legacy, I think it's one of the more crucial franchises to Nintendo's early success. Because when you think of especially the NES, mm -hmm. you think of Super Mario Brothers, Legend of Zelda. I think Mega Man mm -hmm. is up there too. And then I think in that same level of Mega Man is Castlevania. Oh, yeah. Castlevania and uh, Contra. Like those, those yep. are like the... Uh, when you think of Nintendo, those are the first games that pop in my head. 
I still need to watch the the new season of the anime. Oh, it's so good. So good. I love that show so much. I can't I, I can't even wait for the new seasons like you know uh, the jump forward in time. Like oh, yeah. I love it so much. Yeah. No, Castlevania's good. Yeah, and and doing this show introduced me to playing Castlevania. So had had this podcast not happened, I don't know that I would have ever really been like formally introduced to it. Like I I had heard of Castlevania, but not, I never played it. The other day, my brother sent me a picture. My sister-in-law ended up picking up a, uh, nin- a Nintendo uh, Mini um, on Facebook Marketplace and gave it to my nephew. And uh, he was, and my brother sent me a shot of him playing Castlevania. And I was like, "Oh, nice! Castlevania is one of my favorite games. I, you know, was in a tournament last year. I didn't beat Dracula, but I got to Dracula." And he's a tough boss to beat, man. It's one of those games that, like, he, it's a very specific pattern to, to beat him. Um, but, yeah, I, and, and I was telling my brother, I was like, yeah, you can, all the cheat codes still worked on all those old games. And he immediately texted back. He was like, uh, yeah, Michael wants the cheat codes for <laughs> Castlevania. I was like, you can Google them, but unfortunately, Castlevania doesn't have too many uh, cheat codes. That's a very punishing game that is 100% skill based. Yep. For sure. Konami code does not work on, Dra- on <laughs> Castlevania. <laughs> In September of 1991, uh, 30 years ago, Electronic Oof. Arts releases motorcycle racing combat game Road Rash for Sega Genesis starting the Road Rash series. I never played Road Rash. I have a vague memory of it. I, I remember the fact that it was motorcycle based mm-hmm. really stood out to me because you know eventually you had like Mario Kart and other like kart and car racing games, but nothing really with motorcycles. Yeah, I remember playing Road Rash uh, with one of my childhood friends. Uh, I went to stay at his house, I think in like the you know, for a, a weekend sleepover, um, we were like fifth grade or sixth grade, something like that. And uh, he was the only other, he was the only kid I knew that didn't have a Nintendo. He had a Sega Genesis, which was like, was awesome. And uh, the only two games he had were Road Rash and Sonic the Hedgehog. So that's what we played over that weekend. And we played a lot of Road Rash, but it's, that's, I think that's probably the only time I've ever played that game. Yeah, I, I've never, never played it, but like I said, my I just have very vague memories of knowing of it. Yeah. Let's see. September 9th of 1996, Naughty Dog releases Crash Bandicoot for the PlayStation. Man, that was 25 years ago. Yeah, it's nuts Whew. that that franchise is, is <laughs> that old and you know, it's had a fairly successful comeback with with the new game so um i you know i talked about it last week but you know i remember being introduced to the crash bandicoot series through staying at my uncle's house due to a hurricane and i i i like the crash bandicoot games i won't say that like i'm a diehard fan and that i love them but they're fun platforming type games like it's just different enough from mario where it doesn't feel like a a carbon copy but (laughs) It's it's crazy to see where Naughty Dog started 
and where they are now. It's pretty remarkable. I still remember those commercials with cra- the guy in the Crash Bandicoot. Yep suit in front uh in front of the nintendo headquarters you know yelling at him through a, a bullhorn yeah and, and like it seems like yesterday but that was 25 years ago that that would be that actually be a good like top five list is like top five video game commercials i think so dude did you know that um uh paul rudd was in the super nintendo launch commercial mm-hmm yeah, I remember reading about that. I, obviously, I didn't know it at the time because I didn't know who Paul Rudd was. Yeah. But, yeah, I forgot how I randomly found that out. But, yeah, it's wild. And he doesn't look and any he, different. I was about <laughs> to say he looks exactly the same. <laughs> Has not aged. I think drinking the blood of the innocent. He made some kind of underhanded deal. <laughs> but he seems like such a nice guy, though. Could it be Satan? Uh, and to close us out for this month in video game history on September 14th 2001 almost 20 years ago to the day Nintendo releases the GameCube and it's launch title Luigi's Mansion in Japan I can't believe that the GameCube Halo are about to turn 20 years old I know it doesn't even feel like those came out at the same time, does it? No, the yeah, the Xbox and the GameCube were were pretty close in launch. That's so weird to me because I feel like those were separated by like three or four years, but no, they you would were like think. right there, like right with one another. I, it's been a while since I've said this, but I think once we hit to November, we gotta have a Halo roundtable. I think so too. I, I want to do like, that. J- just from the stories of playing Halo, would be worth its own podcast alone. Absolutely, God adds. We got to have Wally on for that one because me and him have so many stories. Yeah. If uh, if you want, I could ask Robbie if he right. wants to come on too. Because you know, like he, we weren't that we're not that far apart in age, and he was part of that same group that would get together on Friday and Saturday nights. And play Halo, so I'm sure he'd have some some great stories too. And me and Wally still have little like sayings and quips that we say to one another, like little inside joke things that began because of Halo. Like things we yep. would say to each other in the game, we still say to each other now, twenty years later. Like that's how important that game is. Let me put you on the spot real quick. Mm-hmm. What Halo do you think has the best multiplayer? And which Halo do you think has the best campaign mode? Uh, I I honestly felt like uh, Reach was the best campaign. I know that sounds weird, but I I, I felt so. more emotionally connected to Reach for some reason. I mean, don't get me wrong. I loved Halo 1, 2, 3. I played ODST. I, hell, I even played the uh, the Halo. Um, what was the RTS that they put out? Halo. Halo Wars. Halo Wars. I had that too. Um, but there was something about Reach that was that story of just like nobody survives. Like it's it's the Rogue One of the Halo series. I was about to say when I watched Rogue One, and when the ending happened, it reminded me of Reach. 
but you know we had a lot of fun playing uh you know land parties with halo 3 halo 2 but there's just something about that original halo multiplayer it was so new for consoles but it was perfection the mm-hmm. the way they did it the the way we could link all of our xboxes together we would just get pizza and barbecue and you know like mountain dew and we would just you know talk smack to one another like the, just something about that original halo multiplayer is just a special place in my heart for till the day i die friendships were tested yeah. during halo <laughs> multiplayer <laughs> Yeah, because I'll I'll say this, and I, I can go into more detail when we do the roundtable. But there there were some times that it it got a little, it went a little too far. <laughs> That's when you have to pause. Everybody pauses, and you all go outside and take yeah, a moment. Pause. Yeah, pause. <laughs> go outside, get some air, take five, mm-hmm. then come back in, and we'll we'll start again. I did really like the um, the creator mode was it halo 3 that had the creator mode or was it reach Mm. for the multiplayer that had creative mode where you can go in and like design your own maps i want to say it may have been reach uh you know c uh welcome to the chat room said halo 3 uh okay it must have been halo 3 i think because i i had a lot of fun just designing my own maps in that game yeah, like for me, when it comes to campaign, I enjoy Halo 2 the most. When it comes to multiplayer, I have more memories of Halo 3 than any other. Like I I have a lot with LAN parties and playing that original Halo multiplayer for the original Xbox. But my friends forced me to get xbox live for halo 3 because that's all they wanted to do yeah and i was tired of getting my ass beat all the time so i said okay i'm gonna get xbox live and i'm gonna get better and that's like what i would do most evenings was just play halo 3 on xbox live for like two hours a night yeah fun uh, fun times those were uh those were heady times back in the early 2000s (laughs) yep uh, but yep. now before we go into the uh, the review for tonight, Derek has shout-outs. Yep, as always, we'd like to shout-out our awesome patrons over at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. We have Xblade07, Daniel Salmon, John Jekyll, a.k.a. Mixmaster, Hand Solo, Carlos Longoria, Staff Sergeant Sketch, Tyler Watson, Brandon Rutledge, Gus and Penny, Matthew Salmon, Randy Bailey, Joey Image and Ron Johnson. Thank you all so much for your continued contributions to the Patreon. And because you've kept us at the $50 level, we continue to do fun commentary tracks, just like our newest one, Big Trouble in Little China, which we recorded oh, yesterday. So fun. <laughs> yes, it was. And you can check that out now on our Patreon if you want to vote on. Uh, other commentary tracks. I believe we're doing another poll mm-hmm. for this month. Um, vote on some of our reviews. I know you and I both post polls every now and then asking for the subscribers to pick what games we review and other fun things as well. So 
If you want to be a part of our awesome community, just head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. And for new Patreons, just be sure to send us your social media, whether that be Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, so we can give you a proper shout out. And tonight, going to be talking about... Music sounds like something straight. I mean, it is straight out of the 90s. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, yeah, this is a, a game that won uh, a Patreon poll like two months ago. <laughs> and I've been meaning to review it, but just the way everything that's happened over the last month and a half, like as soon as this won the poll, like three days later, the, uh, the whole Blizzard... Uh, Activision stuff went down, so it kind of got pushed back and pushed back. Um, but what I'm talking about is The Lost Vikings. It is a puzzle platform game developed by Silicon and Synapse, which is now Blizzard Entertainment, uh, published by Interplay. It was originally released for the Super Nintendo in 1993, then subsequently released uh, for the Amiga, Amiga CD32, MS-DOS, and the Mega Drive Genesis systems. Uh, the Genesis version contains five stages not present in any other version of the game and can also be played by three players simultaneously. Blizzard re-released the game for the Game Boy Advance in 2003, and in 2014 the game was added to Battle.net as a free download emulated through DOSBox. Um, and I don't know if anybody uh, knows this that, that plays uh, things like Heroes of the Storm, Um which is uh, Blizzard's MOBA that they they give out, give for free. You can play for free. They actually added the Lost Vikings as, as playable characters um, in Heroes of the Storm, so because you know this was the very first game that uh, the Blizzard ever made back in 1993. Um, but yeah, this is a, a weird game that it's kind of hard to describe. It's it's a platforming puzzle game. And you're playing three different uh, Vikings that have three different powers. You have Eric the Swift, Balog the Fierce, and Olaf the Stout. Um, they get kidnapped by uh, Tomator, Emperor of the Alien Crutonian Empire, for an intergalactic zoo. And you have to go through the ship with these three characters in order to escape. They each have their own set of skills. Um... I think uh, Eric the Swift is the one that can run and jump um, very far. Uh, Balog the Fierce is the one who uh, has, I think, an axe and a sword. He can attack. And then Olaf the Stout has a shield. And the way you... Um, it's sort of a rock, paper, scissors sort of a, a basis, I guess you'd say. Like You go through the levels and you have to use the strengths of all three. In order to get through the levels, like you have, you know, you use Olaf the Stout with his shield to sort of block uh, block enemies and things like that. You use um, uh, Eric the Swift to get to certain places where he's got to hit switches and things like that because he's the only one that can jump. Uh, the other ones have to use, you know, uh, elevators and things like that to get to where they're going. Um, but Olaf the Stout, he can use his shield not only as a shield, but he can use it as sort of like a um, uh, uh, like a glider, 
<laughs> through the level. Like you can glide to certain places. Um, I've never actually played anything like this before. It was very interesting because the only way to get through each level is you have to use all three and you switch between them by using the, the shoulder buttons on the Super Nintendo controller. And you have to, it takes a while to get through each stage. I mean, that, I, I'm sure there are people that speed run this game, which I, that's, that's something like, I'm going to have to look for that, see if people actually speed run this game, because that would be amazing to watch. Um, but it's, it's a lot of trial and error with this game. I put uh, quite a few hours into this game and I finally got like, probably six or seven uh, levels in before I got to the point where it was just like, I just couldn't go any further. Like it, it just like the, each level, you know, cranks up the difficulty as you go. And not that it was frustrating. It's just sort of like uh, it, it tends to get kind of old after a while. Like it's not something that I want to keep doing. You know, and that's my only complaint with the game is it, it's very daunting sometimes, like trying to switch between the characters. I mean, it's very smooth. Don't get me wrong. It's smooth to, to move between characters, but it tends to get kind of kind of tiring after a while. If funny enough, I was about to ask, did you control like we're all three? on the map at the same time and you have to switch between the three yes yeah. so i remember because when you mentioned the name of the game you were going to review i didn't sound familiar but as soon as i saw the box art i knew exactly what game you were talking about and i get some secret of mana vibes in the sense that you have to do the same thing you have these three characters that have different abilities that you have to use to get you know, through certain points of the yeah. game so it's it's interesting because I didn't know that there was another game out there like this, mm. you know, much less for the same console. So that that's actually a, a pretty cool little factoid. Yeah, it's a good game. Like the music's great, the the graphics are great. It plays really well. Plays better than I thought it would. Like I thought it was going to be kind of daunting trying to control, you know, three characters at the same time. It's not as bad as you think it would be but for being a you know a 30 almost 30 year old super nintendo at this game it's it's really well made like it it, i could see this them putting this you know on the super nintendo online on the switch i i don't understand why it's not there like this was this was a pretty big game back in the day um but this definitely would have been something i would have probably finished as a kid uh, and put the hours into it. But as an adult, like it it just not really my flavor of game. Like I would much rather have played like just a straight platformer because, you know, it's just like, I enjoy the, the puzzle aspect of it, of trying to figure out how to use each person in each level. Like you use uh, the Baylog, like he's the only one that has a weapon. Like, so he's the only one that can kill enemies, but you know, and you have arrows too. You have a bow and arrow, which you can use to like hit switches and things like that, because you have to use Eric who can actually jump to like, you use him to like get to certain parts and you hit a switch. 
which turns on the elevator, which then you can get use the get the other two guys where you know where Eric is, and then you use Olaf to block like shots from other enemies while Balog comes in and kills with the sword. So you gotta really be kind of quick on the draw with with switching between the characters. And another cool thing about it is you pick up items along the way too, like you pick up like apples and things like that for health, and you can switch between them like if like say eric has uh, an apple for health and balog's about to die you can actually give that apple to balog to to keep him alive because you can't lose anybody like if you if one of them dies you might as well just restart the level because you can't finish the level without all three of them like you can't just let one die and then expect to to finish the level, it won't let it won't let you finish the level. So you have to have all three of them survive each level to make it to to the next you know the next part. So the um, the Lost Vikings was re released as part of the Blizzard Arcade Collection in February of this year to celebrate the company's 30th anniversary. Um, it is available for Windows, the Switch, PS4. And oh. Xbox One, if you if you want to get your hands on that, I, oh, I'm is. with you though. I feel like this should be a game that's on the the SNES yeah. online store. That's probably why it wasn't on there because uh, it's on, like you said, it's part of that package, which I can yeah. understand that you know that you know Blizzard wants to make money off of it. I mean, hell, I'm sure any video game company would want to still make money off a 30 year old game. I mean, who wouldn't? Yeah. Yeah, it also says here that uh, Computer Gaming World called The Lost Vikings a clever blend of comedy and role-playing, yeah. and that it's a unique puzzle-solving adventure, great for people who enjoy using their cerebral cortex along with their hand-to-eye coordination. And just, like, the name alone, and then from what little I've, you know, I watched a little bit of gameplay, and I've seen some screenshots of it. It, it does look like it has... You know, a certain blend of of comedy to it, which yeah. I, I think is good. Yeah, I mean, from the character animations and like the little cutscenes that they have, it's really cool and it's a really pleasant game to look at and listen to. Like, like you listen, uh, you know, the music is great. Just go check out the uh, the soundtrack on uh, YouTube, and you know, the music's it. You can definitely tell that from the beginning, Blizzard had a knack for making good games, even though they've kind of taken a quite a tumble from you know the top of the mountain. Like they've really fallen from grace and fallen out of favor. I personally am not going to play any more Blizzard games until they get their act together, which is probably going to be never. But that's you know that's my choice. I don't. I, I choose not to support. Those companies, like I, you know, I really wanted to get Tony Hawk's Pro Skater remake, but it's an Activision game, so guess what? Not gonna buy it. Not gonna play it until you get your behavior under control, uh, Activision. Um, but yeah, we're not gonna. We did a whole episode about that, so if you want to go back and listen to that, <laughs> you can go listen to it. But you know, that's the reason why this game kind of got pushed back because I felt like it would have been in bad taste to review this game during the middle of all that controversy. Yeah. Um, 
even though you know technically they weren't Blizzard at the time, they were Silicon and Synapse, but it's still it's the same company, the same people that made this game. So um, it's you know I like this game. I think it's it's fun to play. It's not going to be something I'm going to play all the time, but as far as execution for something that you know like it's a very unique playing experience especially for the super nintendo um i mean i gotta give it a solid eight just for effort alone you know because like you said it's it's got really good humor Uh, i love the character interactions in the game i love the little cut scenes and the you know the each and the individuality of each character and how they you know have different little personalities and you you have to use their their strengths and weaknesses to get through the levels. If you're in, really into like puzzle type games, you know, and you're into good platforms, I mean, this is a perfect blend of the two. I dig that. I I, th- I think eight sounds about right. Yeah, it. I can't. I still can't believe how good this game looks. Like you know, the Super Nintendo is, I think, going to be known as the console that's still going to hold up. You know. 100 years from now just because that that pixel art is just so timeless and beautiful and when you had companies like nintendo and you know the silicone and synapse um who and konami who could really push that system to its limit and make those gorgeous games man that thing is just it's amazing to go back and and look at some of these games and be like, it still looks just as good today as it did back then. No, I I completely agree. There's just something about because you, you look at a lot of the indie games you see on the Switch, they look like Super Nintendo games, mm-hmm. and there's a reason for that. Yeah, that that was the pinnacle of <laughs> you know side scrolling, you know, pixel type games. Like it just you, it doesn't get much better than the Super Nintendo and the Sega Genesis. I mean, don't yeah. get me wrong, there were some ugly games on there. I mean, go look at like Rocketeer and <laughs> things like that. Those games don't look great. They don't hold up, but you get games like this, and especially like Legend of Zelda, Link to the Past, Super Mario World, man, those and Donkey Super Kong Metroid. Country. Oh man, Super Metroid, Donkey Kong Country. Those games are just timeless. Yep, agreed. But that's all I've got to say about uh, uh, Lost Vikings. Like I said, I should have done it like a month and a half ago, but it just didn't seem right to do it then, so yeah. I, I pushed it back. No, it was the right decision. But I enjoyed it, and, and, and you know, if you want to spend money on it, uh, and you, I, you know, I, I can't tell you what to do. I mean, if you want to support Blizzard and, and Activision, you know, go play it uh, on the the Switch. But I mean, if you have a Super Nintendo or a, a Retron or something, I'm pretty sure this game is not that expensive uh, to go to a retro store and pick one up. Yeah. But that's going to bring us to the end. Um, It's so nice to have you back. I wish you were here next week, too, so we could talk about the game we're playing. Yeah, yeah, same here. The good thing is one one homestand. Yes. (laughs) Just just one. Then we'll be back to normal. Yep, we'll be back to normal. So it's it's been a long road, but... yeah. Glad to be coming up to the end of it. And thank you all for hanging with us, uh, th- you know, through the craziness. I know you, some of the longtime listeners, 
you know, they know what to expect when summertime rolls around. But this year was seemed to be a little more crazier than usual. So thank you for sticking with us through through this whole summer. Of, the uh, the newer listeners are probably like, who's the guy that Jason keeps talking about that's never here? Who is this Derek Diamond character? Yeah, I don't like him. <laughs> uh, well, what's going on with the Derek Diamond experience? So I'm actually I'm really excited for this week's episode because, well, I start off by giving a recap of CinemaCon, which also dropped you know the description of uh, the new Matrix movie that's coming out. Mm-hmm at the end of the year, which I'm really excited for, um, showed new footage from the upcoming Batman movie with Robert Pattinson. Um, all, all kinds of cool news broke from CinemaCon, so I'll talk about that. And I also interview a cinematographer named Seamus Tierney, who worked on the Mighty Ducks Game Changer series, which was released earlier this year on Disney+. Plus. So a uh, really, really cool conversation about kind of the visual aspects of filmmaking. So if you're into that kind of stuff, you can go check it out. That episode will, if you're listening to this on the download, will already be out. If you're watching live, it'll be out tomorrow. Uh, If you want to follow the show on social media, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at the Diamond Podcast. And uh, go check out my other podcast, the Open Micers Podcast, at Open Micers on Twitter uh, and Instagram, and Open Micers Podcast on Facebook. Uh, last week we talked with comedian Sean Finnerty, who uh, you might know from uh, he was on the Tonight Show, and uh, he's a up and coming comedian, very funny Irish guy. So if you like Irish accents and funny dudes, go check out that that episode. And coming up this this week we we, uh, we just got done talking earlier tonight with uh, the guys over at the Fantastic People podcast, uh, Regan and Christian. Of the Fantastic People podcast, which is based out of your your stomping grounds there, Derek, out of Pensacola, or Pensacola, Florida. Uh, I did an episode with them back at Pensacon of uh, May this year. Um, they just put out an episode with our our mutual friend Steve Wise, who talked about uh, Star Trek, and uh, he just got done um, directing a pilot, a TV pilot starring yep. um, Jason London and uh, Corin Nemec. So he talked about all that on the, uh, the Fantastic People b- podcast. But go listen to them. Who's gonna? Who, they're gonna be on the uh, the Open Micers this week, which drops Friday. And uh, go check that out. But I think that's gonna do it for this week. Is there anything else before we walk out the door? No, I think we're good. All right. Well, if you'd like to email us, email us at nerdcaveretro@gmail.com. We are at nerdcaveretro.com, and we're on Facebook at facebook.com/nerdcaveretro, Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro, and individually at jfunktastic and at Derek underscore Diamond. Go get some shirts. We've actually got a sale going on right now: thirty-five percent off everything in the store at ncrmerch.com, and you can support us at patreon.com/nerdcaveretro. Retro, where if you keep us above that $50 level, we do the commentary tracks every month, which last night we just did Big Trouble in Little China, which you don't want to miss that. If you can't do that, can't support us, I understand. Times are tough. Leave us a review wherever fine podcasts are given away for free. So Derek, please tell them what it's all about. Yes, sir. The check is in the mail. Checker, eh? Uh...